I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 19 through 30. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. This evening we are finishing up Philippians chapter 2. And as we uh, read this text, I want you to be thinking and asking yourself, why did Paul place this text here? What's he trying to do? What's the purpose of this text uh, for us uh, today? So Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 uh, through 30. Let us now turn our attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. The Apostle Paul uh, says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I, as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord uh, stands forever. May he write his word upon our hearts uh, this evening. Well, as we come to this passage uh, this evening, we may be wondering... Why this passage here? It may seem a bit random, a bit out of place. As a result, oftentimes, it's passages like this that we fly over when we're reading our Bibles to get to the so-called good stuff, (laughs) the quotable uh, verses and scripture passages. It's passages like this um, that we treat sort of like Iowa or North Dakota on a cross-country road trip. No one really stops because there's not much to see. We have to recognize that every passage of Scripture is inspired by God and has been given to the church for her edification throughout the ages. Not just this Philippian congregation, but this text was given to us in this moment for our edification. So how is this text meant to edify us? Well, let me remind you of one of the most prominent themes here in Philippians chapter 1 and 2, which is this theme of example. 
You know, Paul in these chapters not only gives us commands, but he also gives us examples of what these commands look like lived out. For example, in chapter 1, we saw Paul point to himself as an example. An example of what it looks like to live a life in a manner worthy of the gospel in light of very difficult circumstances. He was in, uh, uh, in prison in Rome awaiting possible execution. And then in chapter 2, Paul pointed us to the greatest example of humility in the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now in our passage this evening, Paul is giving us two more examples of what a humble life looks like, of what a life, look, a life uh, lived in a manner worthy of the gospel looks like, and that of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now there are two commands or imperatives in our passage this evening, uh, which are found in verse 29. In verse 29, Paul uh, commands us to receive with joy and to honor such men. To receive with joy and honor such men. Now notice that Paul says such men, meaning that we are to receive and honor not just Epaphroditus or even Timothy, but anybody within the church that's living a godly life and putting forward a godly example. Therefore, brothers and sisters, rather than being a mere flyover text, Paul is calling us to receive with joy and to honor the godly examples of others in the church. So again, this text is calling us to receive with joy and to honor the godly examples of others within the church. Now, how do we do that? That's the question. Well, we do this in, in three main ways. So first, we need to notice our role models, or the godly examples in the church, our role models presence. And then second, we need to notice our role models example. And lastly, we need to notice our role models savior. So their presence, their example, and lastly, their savior. Well, the first step in receiving and honoring uh, these godly examples in the church or these role models in the church is first noticing their presence in our midst. We need to recognize that one of the purposes of belonging to a local particular church that's embodied is that we have godly examples that are given to us to sharpen us, to grow us in our own uh, Christian walk and pilgrimage. I'd like to uh, begin by just reflecting on who Timothy and Epaphroditus are. And Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, were likely pastor, elder-type figures to the Philippian congregation. In our passage, Timothy is referred to as a servant of the gospel. He's a co-laborer with Paul uh, in bringing this gospel to the ends of the earth. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, which talks about the origins of the Philippian church, we see that it was Paul and Timothy who planted this congregation. And Epaphroditus is referred to in verse 25 as a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and a messenger and minister to the Apostle Paul. So Epaphroditus likely was an elder in this congregation who was sent out 
upon, uh, on the behalf of this congregation to minister to Paul, who was in Rome. As I previously mentioned, it's not just uh, Timothy or Epaphroditus or even our own uh, pastors and elders in the church today who are given to us as examples, but it's anyone who's living a godly life. It's anyone who's putting forward this godly example. This is why Paul refers to um, uh, this category of such men. He's broadening it out. But you may be wondering, you know, why is Paul giving us, giving the Philippian congregation, two more examples of a life of humility in Timothy and Epaphroditus? And by extension, why is he giving us this principle that we should be looking uh, to those in the church as uh, these role models or these godly examples of whom we can learn from? When we have Christ, the greatest example of humility, which he just pointed us to a few passages ago. You know, why do we need these lesser examples when we have the greatest example to look to? Well, neither the Philippian congregation and us today walked with Christ when he was on earth. We were not able to witness what the mindset of Christ looked like applied to the specifics of everyday life. The disciples were able to witness that, but we weren't able to witness that. We have this broad principle of Christ's humility, which Paul just uh, told us a few passages ago. We don't really know what this looks like in the specifics of everyday life. That gets a bit more challenging. So as, as one commentator has noted, Paul likely is pointing the, the congregation to Timothy and Epaphroditus because Timothy and Epaphroditus are going to be examples of the mindset of Christ applied to the specifics of everyday life, of what it looks like in Philippi to live with the mindset of Christ. So for us today, Paul is pointing us to uh, the officers of the church, but every member of the church, uh, to be examples of what it looks like to live with the mindset of Christ in Gig Harbor, Washington in 2020. Therefore, Paul is telling us that the job description of every member of the church is to be an example, to be this sort of role model uh, because we're all called to pursue holiness. We're all called to be people worthy of emulation. That is, we're all called to be such men that Paul refers to in verse uh, 19. Therefore, it's imperative that we uh, recognize this reality. We recognize that our brothers and sisters in the Lord, the other members of, of the church, are, are given to us to be that example, to be that role model. This is, one of, this is one of the reasons why Christ has ordained the local church. Because we need other people uh, to help us, to sharpen us, people that we can look up to. And we see that in Titus 2, this idea of discipleship. You know, there's a, a common mindset today that, that says that because I belong to the universal church, because I believe in Jesus, there's no reason to belong to a particular uh, local church. 
But this text would, would speak against that because this text instructs us that one of the, the reasons why a local particular church, a church in which we see the same people week in and week out, is because we need other people. We need people to look up to. We need specific examples of the mindset of Christ applied to daily life. This is also why we you know, want our kids not just to hang out with kids their age, but also see uh, and, and hang around people who are older than them, to learn from them. As a church plan, it's not just out of necessity. It's, it's a principle that we hear about and learn about in God's word. So the first way we receive and honor our role models in the faith is just noticing their presence. Noticing that one of the purposes of the local church is to have people that we can look up to and learn from who have walked with Christ for many years longer than we have. We not only need to recognize the presence of, of such role models, but we need to take it a step further and notice their example. So not just that they're there, they're in the church, but we need to be alert, alert to their example. And this text indicates that we should be looking for three things in particular uh, in their example. So three things uh, in their example we need to be uh, looking for. And the first of which is a genuine humility. We see this demonstrated in the life of Timothy. So if you look with me in your Bibles at verses 20 uh, through 21, the Apostle Paul says, uh, speaking of Timothy, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So before we consider what this genuine humility is that, that Paul's describing, I think it's useful to consider what an ingenuine, what ingenuine humility is. In verse 21, Paul describes ingenuine humility as uh, seeking one's own interests. And the individuals that Paul has likely in mind as he's writing these words are the people that he was referring to back in chapter 1. If you recall in chapter 1, Paul's in prison and he's saying that there were those in Rome who were preaching the gospel, but they were preaching the gospel in such a way as seeking to afflict Paul, discourage Paul, in this moment of imprisonment. So what you see is that ingenuine humility really is a disconnect uh, between one's outward actions and their inward heart motivation. For example, it's these individuals that Paul's speaking of. That, that's, what, that was, that's what was true of them. They were preaching the gospel. That was an outwardly good thing. But it was coming not out of a virtue, but out of a vice. It was coming out of pride and selfishness and uh, ambition. And this kind of uh, ingenuine humility is what the Philippians themselves were likely struggling with. We have proof of this in, in chapter 4, which we will be getting to shortly, as we read that Yodi and Syntyche, these two women in the church, uh, were in this, uh, this conflict that they couldn't get resolved. 
So, in, so genuine humility would be when our outward actions and our inward heart motivations connect. Or as Paul says, it's when we have the interests of Jesus Christ, who did that perfectly. There was no dis- disconnect with Christ between his outward actions and where those outward actions came from. It's striking to, to see how rare this is, even in, in the Apostle Paul's own day. Notice how he says that he has no one like Timothy in this respect. And isn't it the same in our day? I mean, this kind of genuine humility is rare. It's hard. How many less divisions and conflict would we have in our churches if we would have that connection between our outward actions and our inward motivations? Well, the second thing that Paul wants us to be looking for in these examples is a proven humility. And we see this also demonstrated in the life of Timothy. Uh, So if you look at verse 22, Paul says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. We see that Timothy's uh, humility and worth had been proven over time. He was not a flash-in-the-pan wonder, as it were. Paul was able to see Timothy's character both in the good times and in the bad times, the difficult times. And we need, humility is difficult in both situations. When life's going well, it's, humility is difficult, but when life is difficult, humility is also hard uh, to come by. However, the difficult times of life can have a way of manifesting an especially clear way what's, what's in our heart. I think it's in those moments, those difficult moments of life, that the Lord is really trying to grow us in a proven humility, humility that's been tested and tried. Well, the third and final thing that uh, Paul wants us to be looking for in this example, um, this example of our role models, is a sacrificial humility. And we see this exemplified in the life of Epaphroditus in verses 25 through 30. As I mentioned before, Epaphroditus was his leader and elder of the Philippian congregation. And he was sent out by this congregation to be a representative to, uh, to, to minister to Paul. And he went from Philippi to Rome, which would have been a very arduous journey. Hundreds of miles, he had to cross uh, the Adri- Adriatic Sea. It would have been a dangerous journey in the first century. So making this trip itself was a huge sacrifice. And Epaphroditus was not just serving the Apostle Paul, but he also was serving the the Philippian congregation. As they were now able to share in this blessing of supporting Paul. In fact, in verse 30, we read that Epaphroditus completed what was lacking in the Philippian service to Paul. Epaphroditus uh, stood in, in the Philippians' place. He, they, he represented them as they were not able to uh, themselves go to Rome. Furthermore, we read that this trip almost cost him his life, that he grew very ill and he nearly died. As verse 30 continues, he nearly died for the work of Christ. So Epaphroditus demonstrated this sacrificial humility for the sake of, 
uh, Christ, his gospel, and ultimately the, the individuals of his church. So Paul here wants us to, uh, to notice these examples in others and to notice these examples in order to emulate them. But we not, we're not only called to notice, we also are called to be setting that sort of example, to be living these lives of genuine, proven, and sacrificial humility ourselves. Well, if the sermon ended here, there'd be a lot of pressure on our role models in the faith and a lot of unfulfilled expectations. So the final way in which we receive and honor those uh, role models in our life in the faith is by noticing their Savior. Noticing their Savior. Ultimately, the examples of others in the church are meant to point us to Christ, ultimately. And to use Paul's illustration from last week, uh, he described a Christian who is growing in sanctification like that of a shining star. A shining star. And when you look out into the night sky and see the stars, it's beautiful, but you don't look at the stars and forget about the sun and think, well, we no longer need the sun. Now, ultimately, you, it may lead you to think about the greater star, the sun itself. So when we look at these examples of others in the church, we shouldn't just stop with them, but we should be led ultimately back to the true light of the world our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do Timothy and Epaphroditus in our passage point us to Christ? Well, I think Paul's description of their example here is intentionally um, described in such a way as to echo Christ's example that we find in chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. For example... Uh, in 2.20-21, 20 which we just uh, got done reading, Paul contrasted Timothy's humility with those in Rome who are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And by implication, we see that Timothy has the interests of Jesus Christ. And what are those interests? Well, those are the interests that we saw in you know, 2, 3 through uh, 8. It was this attitude of humility that Christ exemplified as he kept going lower and lower and lower so that we might rise the highest of heights as we will reign with him in all of eternity. Furthermore, Epaphroditus' sacrificial humility mirrors Christ's sacrificial death in chapter 2, or earlier in chapter 2. Again, as we just got done reading in verse 30, Epaphroditus nearly died for the work of Christ. But we see in verse 8 that Christ was obedient to the point of death. Epaphroditus almost died for the sake of Paul and the Philippian church, but Christ did die, not just for the Philippians, but for all of his people. We also see that Epaphroditus was a representative uh, for the Philippians. Epaphroditus stood in the place of the congregation as he went to Paul. Well, Christ himself is a representative. As he lives a life we couldn't live, dies the death that we deserve to die. So as we consider Christ as, as the greater Timothy, greater Epaphroditus, and uh, by extension, the greater example of anyone in our own midst, 
we need to realize that Christ is not just a better example to emulate. This is how Christ is unique. Christ's example saves us. Everyone else is just a good example, a good example for us to try to emulate. But Christ himself achieved redemption by this life of humility. You know, if Christ was not humble, we would still be in our sins. You know, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, that for our sake, Christ became poor. He became humble. This humility that we see in 2, 6 through 8. So that we might become rich. So let us, brothers and sisters, never lose sight of our role model Savior, Jesus Christ himself, who is a greater example, but also the one who has saved us from all of our sins. Well, Church of Jesus Christ, far from being a mere flyover text, uh, this passage tells us of one of the great benefits of belonging to a local church. We have the examples of others to learn from, to be sharpened by. So let us, therefore, be alert and aware, alert of whom we can learn from, and aware that we have others looking to us to emulate our own example. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank you for Christ, who not only is the perfect example for all of us to look to, but is also true God and true man who has redeemed us from all the power of the devil to be his very own. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.